Welcome to Arbor Bridge Church's weekly podcast with your teacher, Daryl Canty. Arbor Bridge Church exists to bridge the gospel and our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. Visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com. Uh, we've been sharing in this series called uh, Building a Better Future, and um, today is the, the last message in, that, in this series. The... the so I, I have a couple thoughts I want to share with you to, to end this and help us be on the same page about what, what, uh, what we feel like God's calling us to. Um, in, the, in, this, in this last message, um, I'm going to look at Nehemiah and look at some things about Jesus as Jesus told us. Uh, so often when people are talking about building a better future, um, it begins with somebody's dream somebody's dream about what they think the future could look like. Um, and, and that's what we've been talking about, building here together a dream um, for, for what our church could look like. And when Jesus, when Jesus was on earth, he, uh, he introduced his dream for a better future for uh, his followers. And he, he talks about it right here. This is what he says. Um, who do people say, say the Son of Man is? And Simon Peter answered, you are the Messiah. You are the son of the living God. And Jesus replied, blessed are you, Simon, son of Jonah. No mere human showed this to you. My father in heaven showed it to you. And here's what I tell you. You are Peter and on this rock, I will build my church. The gates of hell will not be strong enough to destroy it. So um, Jesus is dreaming about um, something that he calls the church his church, which was relatively new for, uh, for those guys to hear that, that him call something his church. Uh, it, when, Jesus, when Jesus says the word, and then he says these words, the gates of hell won't be able to stand up to it. Um, he, he, he might, he's probably, what, he, what I think he's talking about, is he saying the devil or the power of death or the power of sin, the, those things won't be able to stand up to this thing that I'm introducing you to called the church. Um, it won't be able to stand up to like the immediate bad feelings that, that you have when there are people in your life who, who disagree with you or you can't get along with. Uh, the anger for people who don't think like us, um, who don't act like us. Uh, the, the, that power that comes up in each of us immediately when, when you come up against something you don't like. And again, for me, it's a power I feel like I can't stop. It happens naturally. Uh, the, 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 the kind of darkness that, that some, of, some of us feel in regards to mental health stuff, of de- de- depression or any, any, any kind of mental health stuff that you, if you've ever had, had to do with that, you feel like it cannot, can't be stopped. Um, it, it comes on so strong. Uh, the darkness of, of sin in general, in the world, murder and rape and abuse and racism and all the things that we would say we hate. But at the same time, at the same time when we say we hate them, in our most honest moments, we find our hearts being drawn to, in that direction. Those are the gates of hell. And what Jesus was talking about, Jesus, Jesus had this idea or this dream, this thing that had so much force, so much force that all those things I just talked about, that thing would, that thing would not fall to all those terrible things. 
the gates of hell wouldn't be able to stand up to. It was so mighty, so supremely powerful that hell couldn't stand up to it. Hell couldn't destroy it. Here's a question for you. Is that what we have here? Is that what we have here? What Jesus was talking about was something that had so much force, so much power, so supremely powerful that the terrible, worst things in this world can't stand up to them. Is that what we have here? Is that what we have here? Something that can't be destroyed by our differences, by our sin. Jesus says, I'm, I'm the Messiah and I'm, I'm, I'm like an architect and I've got this dream of what I want to build. And he says, I'm going to build my church. I'm building a body or a gathering of people, a, a Messiah people. And the word Messiah just means a savior or, or deliverer or leader. I'm, I'm building my savior people and they will be my church. Those people will be my church. And obviously when we say church, what we mean is a group of people who regularly get together to, for a worship service and sometimes cooperate together for financial goals and numerical goals. But Jesus was talking about something way better, way better. And we get glimpses of it. We get glimpses of it in the Bible like this. Listen to this. Listen to this. Brothers and sisters, right off, right off, the, right off, right off the bat, <laughs> he, he says, Family. Brothers and sisters, by the authority of our Lord Jesus Christ, I beg, I beg all of you to agree with each other. What, what, what's, what's, the, what's the big deal about agreeing with each other? You should not be divided into different groups. Be completely joined together again with the same kind of thinking and, that, and the same purpose. Just as in one physical body, we have many parts, and these parts do not have all the same function or special use. So we, who are many, Nevertheless, or are nevertheless just one body in Christ. And individually, we are parts of one another, mutually dependent on each other. We are, so we're completely, we're completely joined together with the same purpose. Um, we, we, we belong to one another, um, mutually depending on one another. We are family with one another. Um, and God knows we're going to have tension with each other. Because you, and you get anyone else in a room with you for long enough, you're going to have tension with that person. Even though that's true, we can't lose sight of the fact that we belong to one another. And that's what Christ wants to build here, that kind of church. We belong to one another. We want those things to be true of us, that we are a family and we, we are a body that belongs to one another on a mission from God to bridge the gospel in our community by connecting people to Jesus and each other. That, that won't happen by accident. That won't happen casually. That won't happen because you want it to. That won't, that won't happen just because of, I say it from the stage. It will not happen because of those reasons. It will not happen. I want to I want to put a picture in your mind of of what what uh, what Jesus might mean by this and what I'm saying about it with a story. Um, check out the short video. 
Hi, I'm Molly Chaporis. My husband, Andrew, and I were a part of Arbor Bridge Church for several years while my husband attended law school at U of M. Being in a new place, we were so blessed to be instantly welcomed into the Arbor Bridge Church family. We had a dream of someday starting a family, and in 2015, God graced us with Nathan's presence. Two months after he was born, we found out that he had a rare liver disease. That kicked off a difficult journey of surgeries and treatments over about course of a year. As time went on, it became clear that Nathan would need a liver transplant in order to thrive. It would be a very complicated surgery, and as we learned, the financial stress would be huge and significant to our family. But we had a dream that someday Nate would be able to thrive and be healthy. Arbor Bridge had supported us so well spiritually and really in every way over the whole year. They blessed us with meals, prayers, time, and love. When we were asked about raising money for Nate's surgery, the church stepped up in a huge way again. Through the big give, we received money to pay for Nate's surgery and medical care. We were able to focus on what was best for Nate's health without worrying about the financial stress. Nate's liver transplant was a complete success. We have been so blessed by God to have a healthy, wild, and crazy seven-year-old son who's completely normal. It has been a dream come true. We will always remember and cherish the love, prayers, and support of Arbor Bridge for Nate and for our family. That was a great story. So um, some of you guys were there for that big give, and if you don't know, a, a big... We, in our church family, we call a big give uh, a distant a time when we raise money for a specific need um, or a specific mission work that we want to give to. <clears throat> so that day we had this big give for Andrew and Molly. I, I, was, I was talking with Molly this week. She was like trying to figure out how she could send Andrew here because Molly's in Florida. Um, she said, I want to send Andrew there for this, so he could be there with, uh, with Nathan. I was like, oh, you, don't have to, you don't need to do that. Just send me a video. Uh, some of you guys were there when that happened that day. We raised money for their family. They needed about $50,000 for the surgery. Um, and the church that they were from, like she said, uh, they were here for school, but they were from a church on the west side of the state. The, the night before we had our big give, their church on the west side had a fundraiser where they were able to, um, to raise like $24,000, um, which is awesome. Uh, I had thought, I shared with some of you guys before, I had thought of doing like a friendly competition between our two churches where our, you know, our church versus their church to see who could raise the most money for Andrew and Molly. But when I heard that number, I was like, Ooh, I'm glad we didn't do that. Um, and then, and then the day of our big give, we raised $25,000 and I was like in your face, West Coast church. <laughs> uh, it was so Powerful, and those of you guys who were there, I mean, you just, you know, you. Just, I, I, I wish that I wish you know for those of you guys who weren't there that you could have been there for it. It, it was it was incredible. It was incredible. And there are few things. There are few things on earth. And if you don't have a kid yet, if if when you do, I mean, you'll know. And if you if you never have a kid, you'll you can still. I think you can get this. There are few things on earth that are more hellish than for your child to be seriously ill and for you to have to sit back and watch it and not be able to do it. And she, she downplayed it. She downplayed it. I mean, without a liver transplant, he would not live. He would not live. 
We walked through all that with him. And the gates of hell could not stand up to us. The gates of hell could not stand up to us. Christ's dream for his church is like that story, but better. It's better, it's better because of this. It's better because of this. It's not just for little kids, little babies who need surgeries and need to raise this, this huge amount. It's not just for them. It's for every day walking together, people, people losing their brothers, people walking through terrible things. The, the, the every day, I can't get out of bed because I'm sick and tired of doing this. It is for that. It is, it, that is what he was talking about. The, the, this, this family, this, this group that he was talking about, he wants to create, he's dreaming of creating and building this group of people who things like this happen. And again, it's, when I use this extreme example of someone who needs a liver transplant, it's huge. You say, yes, I'm on board with that. He's talking about that for every day, everyday life. Beating sin together. Beating, giving us strength to do life together. Christ's dream was to build a church, and that cannot happen without your support. So I want you to think about that for just a second. Christ has a dream to do something, and he can't do it without you. Like in my mind, I think, oh, Jesus Jesus don't need me. Yes, he does. He has a dream for what he wants to have a church become, and he cannot have it happen without you. No dream is built without support, even when it's Jesus. No dream is built without support. So we've been using the story of how how the nation of Judah was rebuilt around 500 years before Jesus actually shows up on earth um, to, to talk about how Jesus wants to rebuild this church. And in that story, you know, we see how a man named Nehemiah enlists the support um, to, to, to help with the dream of rebuilding the nation, rebuilding the city of Jerusalem. And before he does that, before he does anything we've been talking about, he spent time praying and preparing. But then the, the time comes where he asks for support, you know, for the support of others. This is what it says. Nehemiah says, I ask. Your majesty, will you be willing to give me letters to the governors of the provinces west of the Euphrates River so that I can travel safely to Judah? I will need timber to rebuild the gates of the fortresses near the temple and more timber to construct the city wall and to build a place for me to live. And so I would appreciate a letter to Asaph, who's in charge of the royal forest. God was good to me. The king did everything I asked. So in my time in, in leading in this church, um, this is me and this is lots of us. <clears throat> we don't want to ask for help, right? <laughs> we hate asking for help. I have a dream I want to be able to accomplish, and, but I won't ask you for help. I won't, ha- I won't ask you to, to help support it. Um, I, want to, I want to be able to do it all without having to ask for help. And again, it just doesn't work that way. <laughs> And I think that God gets it intentionally. Like he holds me back and won't let me accomplish what I intend to accomplish because I refuse to ask for his help and for your help. And what a shame. What a shame. What a shame. 
How, how, does, how, does this, how does this section of verses begin? The section of verses I just showed you, how does it begin? I asked. I asked. And for some of us, like that's the, the gates of hell, that's the gates of hell for some of us, right? We can't, we can't, we, the, the, the church needs to come up against to be willing to ask. Everybody, all of us, all of us are ready to be the one that gets to help, but nobody wants to be the one that receives the help. And that's an interesting situation, right? God was good to Nehemiah by doing everything that Nehemiah asked for. What if he was unwilling to ask for support? What would have happened then? Like, what if he was like, yeah, I don't want to bother the king. I don't want to ask him. Over the last several weeks, I've been asking for your support in rebuilding Christ's dream for the church here at Arbor Bridge. Um, so let me, let me say this. Uh, one of the reasons, obviously, you know, we don't want to ask is, you know, you don't want the weirdness of you saying no to me or you feeling like you, all, you have to do it and that, that awkwardness or me having in a, being in a situation where I'm depending on you to... I'm depending on you. I'm, 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 so I've asked, you, I've asked us to do several things. I've asked you to fill out an investment card by the end of worship service today, let our church leadership know what you'll be investing in our church family financially this year. Um, you can still do that by going to arborbridgechurch.com forward slash investment or picking up a card in the lobby. Um, put that in the white, white offering box. I asked you to, uh, to get the book, Teach Me to Pray. There are a couple of those out in the lobby by Andrew Murray. Prepare, prepare to read along with us. Read along with our congregation uh, one chapter a week. We're going to be, uh, I'll be introducing that, that uh, next week. And we'll start our you know, first chapter next week. But I ask you to get that book. I ask you to consider attending a retreat. I'll be hosting here in Michigan. Um, not here, but uh, in Michigan, uh, March 25th through 27th. At that gathering, we're going to be investing in and you know, engaging in vibrant relationship with Christ. And making uh, relationships with Christians priority. Um, it, it is hard for me uh, to ask. I hate to ask. I hate to ask. But here's the truth. I will not accomplish Christ's work here in our church family if I'm unwilling to ask. And you, don't, you, know, you, don't, you need to decide what you're going to do when I ask. That's up to you. But I will say this. Christ's dream for his church, this church, will not be accomplished by me only or our elders only. It will not be accomplished. I need you. Man, more importantly, Christ needs you to, to fulfill the dream that he was talking about when he said, I will build my church. Christ needs you. So when I see God, you know, I see what God accomplished through Nehemiah when he was willing to ask for support, I'm encouraged. I'm encouraged to ask you and dream about what God could do to, you know, through us together. I'm encouraged to ask you, even though I'm afraid. 
So uh, Nehemiah does a few things to build support for his dream that I, I want to copy and share those with you guys today. So listen, um, Nehemiah talks about me, talks about we, not me. I mean, he creates community by doing that. He talks about we, not me. So when, when Nehemiah shows, um, shows up in Judah, in the city of Jerusalem, um, he finds much of it's been destroyed. And he says this to the people. He says, Jerusalem is truly a mess. The gates have been torn down and burned and everything is in ruins. Uh, we must rebuild the city wall so that we can again take pride in our city. So he shows up at the city and everything's in disarray and ridiculous. He doesn't show up and be like, what have you guys been doing? This place is awful. You guys have fallen down on the job. Look at how terrible you, he says, listen, this is a mess. But we, we must rebuild the city. We must rebuild the wall. He, he puts himself into the solution. It's always, it's always telling to me, sometimes people will come to me and they'll be, and they'll, they'll be frustrated by something in our church family. And they'll say, you know, you know Daryl, uh, it's not working at church. You need to. What you're doing here at church is not working. So what do you, that's always telling, Right? That's always telling when, when people are saying you as opposed to we. It, and it's, it's a completely different situation when somebody comes to me and says, you know what, Daryl, this isn't working. What can we do? I got an idea about what we could do together to, to make this what Christ is dreaming of it being. That's totally different. Let's take ownership for what we must do amongst us to be what Christ is calling us to. What's your role in, in building what we must do? What's your role in building what we must do together? To build support towards his dream, you know, he, he says we, not me. And then second thing he does, he says, he paints a picture of what needs to change. So look at our verse again. Look at the verse again. It says, Jerusalem is truly in a mess. The gates have been torn down and burned and everything is in ruins. We must rebuild the city wall so that we can again take pride in our city. Does anybody, uh, you know, think about this. He shows up and he says, hey everybody, Jerusalem's in a mess and the city, the city gate's been torn down. Does, does, when he says that out loud, they're not like, whoa, oh my goodness. Sometimes, sometimes when there's a problem, You don't want to say it out loud. Like sometimes like in your family, you've got this problem and, and then maybe somebody new marries into the family and they get there and they're like, whoa, what is that? It's the thing that you and your family have learned to tolerate and you don't talk about it. It's the problem that nobody talks about. But when somebody new comes to it and they say, that thing, that thing needs to be changed. That thing needs to be fixed. We need to work on that thing. That's basically what he's doing. They've learned to live with broken down, broken down city, broken down gates. They've learned to live with it. And he shows up and he says, listen, the gates are broken down, guys. Nobody just says, no, I disagree with that. They're like, yes. And he says, let's do something about it. Let's do something about it. I learned to accept things that are mediocre or even unacceptable in my life. And until someone gets sick or pretending or, you know, paints the picture of that needs to change. That thing needs to change. Listen, you guys, and you guys know this, you guys know this, what we're calling, what we're, what, what we're calling together, what we're calling church is less than what Jesus meant when he said, I want to build my Jesus people. I want to build my church. I'm just saying it out loud. 
And obviously what happens in church, in, in, you know, in church in America and church in Ann Arbor and church in Arbor Bridge is we come to this place and we get used to it. We're like, yeah, well, I mean, that's, and in our minds when we go home, you know, you're like, ah, that's not, it's not what I was thinking of or it's not what I was dreaming of or it's not enough or it's not what I wanted to be. And, and, and you find out, you really find out in your most desperate, desperate moments I'm saying it out loud. Jesus' vision for, for us to be completely joined together, like, like he's joined to his father, is, is, is not happening. Jesus' vision for us to be one, like he's one, one with his father. Is, is, and, and here's the thing. Here's the thing. When we feel broken and we feel scared and we feel vulnerable, Jesus invites us into that oneness that he has with the father. In those moments, when you're laying in your bed at night and you are terrified of the next day, he invites you into the oneness that he has with, the, with his father. And then Jesus says, I want you to be one like I am one with my father. And here's why. Here's why. So that when people come here or come scared and terrified and struggling in their life, we can invite them into that same kind of oneness. Is that what we have here? Is that what we have here? That kind of oneness that can stand against the gates of hell when somebody is desperate, drowning, is that what we have here? That's what he wants to build us into. That's what he wants to build us into. So Nehemiah shows up and he says, we, not me. And then he paints a picture of what needs to change. He says, hey, this is the thing that needs to change. And then he builds, he, he, he builds this momentum by sharing his story to inspire the people. He says this, I told them how God had been, how kind God had been and what the king had said. And immediately they replied, let's start building now. So they, they got everything ready. So let me read that again. I told them how kind God had been and what the king had said. And immediately they replied, let's start building now. So they got everything ready. So Nehemiah shares his story and says, hey, listen, this is what God did for me. He says, listen, I was terrified. I was super, I was scared to death, frozen with fear because I was going to ask the king for something. I was afraid he's going to say no. I was afraid he's going to have me killed. And I, I, I put my life on the line to ask for this and God got the king to pave the way for me. God got the king not only to pave the way for me to go, God got the king to pay for us to do this. And so when he says that story, people are like, yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. The people heard that all that God was doing and they said, let's do this. So you, I, the reason why I shared Molly's story, I say, listen to Molly's story. Listen to what God did here in this, in this situation. How her family found themselves in this desperate situation. Her kid had this physical need that, that we, you know, we, we thought maybe we can meet her, maybe we can help. And this church, being what Jesus intended, to be, intended us to be, said, let's help, them, let's help their dream come true. Let's help them help their dream come true. I pray that her story can inspire you to share your story and also to inspire us all to be the kind of community, not just for babies who need you know, important surgeries, but for people who are lonely. 
People who are just trying to follow Jesus and struggling hard to do it. For, for, for people who need someone just to be patient enough to walk with them. So, and let me say this. Let me say this out loud. Some of you guys have brought this up to me. I've been inviting our church family to, to, into prayer and margin. Our goals for, for 2022, prayer and margin. Prayer and margin. Here, prayer is pretty, pretty, uh, pretty clear. Let me say what margin means. Here's what, here's what margin means. It's this. Someone here, someone comes to our, into our space on a worship, Sunday morning worship, and they are struggling to follow Jesus. They are struggling just to keep their head above water. When you have margin, you have enough time to come alongside them and say, I'll help you. I'll walk with you. I'll, I'll, I will make space in my life to go alongside you to do this. And, and again, when you don't have margin in your life, you say, hope things work out. <laughs> Good luck. That's what I mean when I say margin. Do you have the time to be the kind of church that Jesus is dreaming about? You have a dream for your life. And and, and I want you to consider this for just a second. You have a dream for your life. And maybe the only way that it will be accomplished is if the church becomes what she's supposed to be and you're walking alongside it together. Each other together. We, we walk, walk, walk alongside each other together. Don't keep your dream to yourself. Share your story to inspire us all to be the kind of church that Jesus is dreaming of. And, and maybe, maybe it's, you've got a dream for what you want to do. Maybe you won't be able to accomplish it unless you ask for help and support. And who better ask? Who, who better to ask than your family? No dream is built without support. You remember that. No dream is built without support. So in our church family, uh, one of the things we do is we take communion together every week. And uh, so if you, when you were coming in, didn't get a couple of the communion elements uh, on the uh, middle table, um, you can get those in just a second here. Uh, feel free, you'll get, you can be able to get up and, and take communion with us. We're going to do that in just a moment. As we prepare to take communion together today, though, I, I want you to remember one more thing. So a dream, a dream is, no dream is built without support. No dream is ever built without opposition, right? No dream is ever built without opposition. As soon as you start dreaming for a, for a better future, for a preferred future, the devil wakes up and is like, okay, let's do it. If you want a preferred future, you're going to have to go through me. So we can plan on there being opposition to, to becoming what Jesus wants us to be. So when Nehemiah prepared for his rebuild, some leaders from the cities around Jerusalem came to see what he was doing. And when they arrived, here's what's happened. Here's what, here's what happened. 
When Sambalat, this is these are these three people are names. When Sambalat, Tobiah, and Geshem, the Arab, heard about our plans, they started insulting us and saying, "Just look at you. Do you plan to rebuild the walls of the city and rebel against the king?" So if you're like me, um, when you have a dream, it feels fragile and you're nervous about it and you're scared. Just a little bit of opposition is enough for you to be like, okay, uh, I'm just going to go back to bed. If we face this kind of opposition, we're ready to give up. Certainly Jesus faced this kind of opposition while he was here on earth fulfilling his dream of, of paying for our sins so that we could be with him. And when Jesus would talk about his death, his disciples would, his disciples would tell him, no, Jesus, don't be saying stuff like that. That's wrong. And Jesus would reply very strongly. And it was like, he was ready. He would reply very strongly with words like, get behind me, Satan. Or this is what I was born for. So don't say that stuff. He was ready for their opposition. So was Nehemiah. So after being mocked by his naysayers, Nehemiah says this. This is so boss. This is like, love this. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we're going to work rebuilding. You can stick to your own business. You get no say in this. Jerusalem's none of your business. It's like Nehemiah was expecting the opposition and he had like a little phrase ready. A rehearsed speech. Maybe we would do well to have a this verse or whatever you want. Whatever you want. Christ died for his church. He died for this church to see it become what he was dreaming about that day that he was talking to his disciples. As we take communion together today, would you be would you determine to to be ready for the opposition we will face. But prepare for the opposition we're going to face along the way. The devil's going to tell you that you don't got enough money to give. You, 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 need, you need to keep all your money for yourself. Or you, you, don't have any, you don't have enough time to be investing in the lives of people in this, this church family. Or you don't, you're not going to be able to read that book, so you need to get move on. Or your, your church is just going to die a slow death, and that's none of your business. So we should be ready. We should be ready, with, you know, we should be ready for all that with this. All that opposition with this. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. The God of heaven will make sure we succeed. We're his servants and we are going to work rebuilding. You, you can stick to your own business. You've got no say in this. Arbor Bridge is none of your business. Let's commit together to pray that. Commit together to seeing this church become what Christ intends her to be. Let's pray. Dear Father, I fully expect that you will help us succeed, succeed in your way, that you, want, you will see this you will see this family, this body become what you intend her to be. And not because of me. Not because of me.
but because of a we, because of us, that, that, that we are completely dependent on you, but you are dependent on us to, for, for this dream to come true, for this dream to happen. And so I pray, I pray that you would help us start with you, to begin with you, to pray to you, to come to you, seeking you. You will see this thing succeed, but you need us to cooperate with you to submit to you, to, to, to follow your commands. I'm, I'm begging you, help us do that because we can't do it on our own. And then I pray that, that we would be ready though. We'd be ready for our part. And that w- whenever opposition comes, comes our way, we'd be ready for that too. I pray for this time of communion, when we remember how your life was so, so very dedicated to the dream of us being together, for the, for the dream of you paying for our sins and for, for, for you getting out, getting rid of the, 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 the things that were between you and us and ready for the opposition. I pray that we, during this time of communion, can commit to being like that, to see the body Christ, to see the family that you're dreamed of be a reality here among us. I pray that you'd make that happen. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening. If you would like more information on our church, visit us online at arborbridgechurch.com.